0: ABC Listen podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Are you a pet person, Norman?
1: At times, I have. I had a. So here, we, here we go. Okay, Pronunciation of words. In Glasgow, we called them tortoises.
0: Tortoises. <laughs> Tort- Tort- <laughs> tortoises.
1: Well, I call them tortoises. I had a tortoise called Speedy when I was a kid. And Speedy was the fastest tortoise tortoise you've ever seen in your life and was always disappearing. So that was, my, that was my pet experience as a child. And then older in life, we had a standard poodle called Sebastian.
0: Oh, Sebastian the poodle. That's very cute. A little more standard, um, as you say. When and I was you? a kid, <laughs> my mum told us that we didn't need a pet because we had a toilet duck. Toilet duck. Yeah, you know, like... Yeah,
1: sorry, yeah. Well, <laughs> and you believed her?
0: Well, I, it felt like a very hollow excuse, so I've made up for it in my adulthood. I've got two dogs now. Good. It's, it's very relevant to our discussion today, Norman, because the question that we've got is about pet allergies. I wonder if you could be allergic to a tortoise.
1: Look, I'm, I'm sure, but Speedy was so speedy that you never got close enough <laughs> to find out. <laughs> well, welcome to Watch That Rash?
0: I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor coming to you from Jagera and Turboland.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan coming to you from Gadigal Land, part of the Eora Nation.
0: So today's question comes from Emily. Emily says, I think our young daughter might be allergic to our dog. The question is do I need to get rid of the dog or will she build up a tolerance? Emily's asking, will continuing to live with the dog be detrimental to her health? Norman, what do they do? Think of, we need to give the dog a name. Think of Fido.
1: Fido or Speedy. So the question is, what are the symptoms? So let's just do the safety bit here when we're talking about allergies. If you are, if you or a child is experiencing an allergy where you're coming out in a blotchy rash, where you might even just get tingling along your lips or certainly swollen lips or swelling in your face or problems with breathing, Those are really worrying signs that you might be so allergic to something that you're risking anaphylaxis. And in fact, that is anaphylaxis, even though it might be mild in the first instance. So it depends, and it's unusual to get an anaphylactic reaction to a dog or a cat. Um, It's more common that you might get a rash like eczema or you might get a bit of asthma and so on. But basically, if the symptoms are, as I described them a moment ago, those are serious. You need to get them checked up, and it may or may not be due to your, your the animal in your house. So, I just that's that's kind of the the qualifier to all this discussion.
0: Because am I right in thinking that if you have even mild anaphylaxis at any time, it could it could be a full blown attack?
1: Yeah, and you've got to find out what it is. Um, and it can emerge during life. It usually emerges in childhood and early, early life, but it can emerge later on. So anaphylaxis has got to be sorted out. It's got to be sorted out quickly. You might need an EpiPen. You certainly need proper investigations by somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: But what you're saying is that's not typically how pet allergies present.
1: No, and Emily doesn't say what her symptom, the symptoms of her daughter are. It may be like... You sneeze and you get a bit of a runny nose when the cat's around it's, or the dog's around. So it's, it's hard to know. But let's assume that they are mild and you get this mild reaction.
0: So first things first, what's the story with pets and allergies?
1: Well, the evidence over the last 20 or 30 years is overwhelmingly positive. If you grew up, particularly in the first year of your life, but it looks as though almost at any point in your childhood you grew up with pets Pets being dogs, cats. In other words, furry animals. Tortoises. Tortoises. My tortoise did not have fur. (laughs) But essentially what you're talking about here are furry animals, like dogs, like cats. And you are reacting to the dander of the dog or cat. Children who are exposed to dogs and cats, furry animals, in the first year of life, the more the better. Um, have a reduced instance of allergy for the rest of their life. To
0: other animals
1: or to food? To any allergy. Oh, but
0: then They're if you... They're less
1: likely to be allergic people.
0: But if you've got an allergy to the animal, oh, that sort of feels like a real circular sort of thing.
1: Well, this predates Emily's daughter's situation. So let's just take in general. In general, having animals in your house is good for allergy prevention. That's the balance of evidence.
0: Do I want to know what... I kind of feel like it's one of those, like, the more grossness you're exposed to, the better you are. I feel like that's the direction this conversation's going.
1: Yeah, and that's the whole hygiene idea, is that allergies are rarer in countries with poorer hygiene.
0: Is that true, though?
1: There is some truth to it, but essentially, not as much truth to it as people thought once upon a time. The thinking used to be, and it's still true to some extent, is that we evolved to resist parasitic diseases. And there are certain white blood cells in our body that are specifically designed to resist parasitic diseases. And when you grow up in an environment where you're not exposed to these parasitic diseases, you've got these white blood cells that are all all dressed up with nowhere to go. In other (laughs) words, your immune system hasn't been trained properly in the first year of life. And a side effect of that, because so you've got all these white blood cells that are supposed to be designed for parasitic diseases, but the other thing they do is that they're involved in allergic reactions. And therefore, you get paradoxically an increased risk of allergy in the modern world. Now, that's now complicated by new evidence on the microbiome. And we keep on coming back to the microbiome and what's that rash, but it's really important because the microbiome, in other words, the bugs in your bowel, the bugs in your respiratory tract, train the immune system to deal with foreign substances coming in, including things that cause allergies. And a very recent paper has suggested that children with allergy have a different microbiome from kids who don't have allergy And it might be that the microbiome problem came first or the allergic disease caused the change in the microbiome. But essentially, the pattern of bugs in their bowel creates more inflammation inside the body, which makes it more likely that allergens, particularly from food, might get into your body and you respond to them. So it's a combination of things, but it still goes back to this training of the immune system in the first year of life.
0: Okay, So, but if we go back to Emily's question... In her particular situation, the ship's kind of sailed. Her daughter looks like she's allergic. Is it possible for her to now build up a tolerance?
1: So tolerance is a hot topic in allergic disease because, yes, tolerance is a real thing and that after a while for many allergens, in other words, substances that cause allergy, your body gets used to them. Now, with pet allergies, there's not a lot of evidence that I can find that you you get tolerant to um, pet allergies. With children and young children, babies, you can get what looks like an, a food allergy. It's probably more of a food intolerance than a food allergy early in life, but it looks as though that egg and milk and maybe fish allergies you do become more tolerant to and you get used to them as time goes on. Peanut allergy is really controversial, and it's unlikely that you build up much tolerance to peanut allergy. However, people are treating these food allergies under very and doing trials under very careful circumstances of exposing you to the allergen very carefully. Um, for example, cooked milk, cooked egg, and even very carefully peanut, to see whether or not you can build up, you can desensitise the immune system, which is really what you're talking about here when you talk about tolerance, desensitise the immune system to the allergen in question.
0: I actually have a little story for you about building up tolerance to things because you're making it sound like it's a new thing, but it's actually a really old thing.
1: You've got a history lesson.
0: I sure do. So uh, apparently there was a King... Mithradates from Pontos. And this is like 2,000 years ago, Norman, so I don't know why you're coming up me with all this modern science. He took increasing doses of snake venom to make himself immune to the venom so that he wouldn't get poisoned, which I just realised is basically where the, uh, the storyline in The Princess Bride is ripped off from.
1: Yep. And clearly some of these reptile farms, that's what they do. So there is some evidence that uh, reptile keepers, uh, get resistant to venom because if they've had multiple bites, Ugh. and some reptile keepers infamously have actually deliberately had themselves bitten so that they're more resistant.
0: Is that? I mean, this you're is dicing,
1: a... <laughs> you're literally dicing with death. here.
0: <laughs> you sure are. No, it's sort of it, it's also kind of where the uh, the idea of homeopathy first came from before it sort of uh, other people took the idea and ran with it.
1: There's one caveat here with this story: is if you actually want to make somebody allergic to a substance what you do is give them tiny doses of that substance and in time you can sensitise to the substance and, uh, and in fact become allergic to it.
0: This is a part that doesn't make any sense to me because what I'm hearing is tiny doses helps you not be allergic, tiny doses makes you allergic. It just no, feels like no. actually no, we no, don't I, really know.
1: You didn't hear me. If I may contradict my, 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 my <laughs> wonderful and long-term partner in this, <laughs> this escapade that we've been on for some time, if you've got cats and dogs in your house, you're actually not getting a tiny dose. You're getting a big dose of the dandruff.
0: I'm literally covered in dog hair as we speak.
1: Yeah, well, i <laughs> And so it's not a small dose. It's a big dose. And that's part, of the, that's part of the issue. And we'll come to this, no doubt. No doubt we'll get questions about allergies in the future. But we'll t- talk about babies and allergy. There's ways of feeding babies that can prevent allergy. And it it is actually about a decent dose early, not faffing around and being nervous about allergens.
0: So if you are a bit allergic and you're having that over a long period of time, is there long-term harm?
1: So, Tegan, I think the answer here is we don't know. I cannot find good evidence one way or the other for specific pet allergies because most people have been focused on pets preventing allergies. So we don't know. With food allergies, there's a different situation altogether, and that's highly expert and specialised care that you and a diagnosis that you need there.
0: When we're talking about long-term exposure and we're talking about an allergic response as being basically like inflammation, isn't long-term higher levels of inflammation bad for you?
1: Um, yes, it is with autoimmune disease and other problems like and chronic infection and so on. But allergic reactions tend to be intermittent and you don't get necessarily prolonged inflammation. So chronic allergies tend to be things like eczema and asthma and rhinitis, runny noses. And those those can go on for a long time and increase inflammation. But there's not much evidence that if you've got asthma or eczema, you have a shorter lifespan or you get the problems with early coronary heart disease and other things that you get with autoimmune disease.
0: With Emily's daughter, is taking something to help with the runny nose or the itchiness, like is long-term exposure to, say, an antihistamine bad?
1: Look, I think that if you feel that you're going to have to talk to your doctor about this rather than giving Emily advice about her daughter. <laughs> but Don't if listen to taking... podcasts for your health advice. No, that's right. Talk to real doctors, not pretend ones like me. But essentially, if it's common sense. If, if the allergy is severe enough that you're, you're actually having to doze your child with antihistamines on a daily basis and you're pretty confident that it's the dog or you send the dog off for a couple of weeks to stay Um, with relatives and the the, the symptoms disappear and they reappear when the dog comes back in, then probably what you want to do is farm the dog out to uh, a nice family. Um, But if there's no difference when the dog gets farmed out to the dog coming back, it may just be that the runny nose is more to do with the season or you've got um, what's called perennial rhinitis, which is what I've got. Your your nose runs every day of the year.
0: I think you're just allergic to hard work, Norman, but you just ignore it and push through.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm allergic to sleep.
0: (laughs) So to answer Emily's question, uh, probably maybe build up a tolerance over the time, Maybe, probably not detrimental to her health long-term. Can Fido (laughs) stay or does Fido have to go to a nice farm in the country?
1: I think Fido goes for a couple of weeks, see what happens to Emily's daughter's symptoms. And if they disappear and they reappear when the dog comes back, then you've probably got an issue with the dog. If there's no difference at all, let the dog come back and have fun.
0: Well, that's almost all we've got time for on a show that we actually came quite close to talking about rashes today, Norman, but we narrowly avoided it.
1: We did, we did. We're going to be skating on thin ice for some time to come. And if you've got a question, we love your questions and we're slowly getting through them, but they're they're coming in thick and fast. Email us at thatrash at abc.net.au or you can do it via...
0: Instagram by sending us a DM. We're at abchealth. See you next time. See you then. the Duck is a podcast from ABC Science where we find out what the duck is going on in nature. I'm Dr Ann Jones and in this new season we look at everything from dancing parrots... The classic song that Snowball was known to dance to was Everybody by the Backstreet Boys. ..to mozzies with taste
1: in music. They exposed the mosquitoes to Skrillex. It took the mosquitoes longer to find the animal to feed on.
0: What the Duck, nature, no holds barred. Now on the ABC Listener.